This is a fresh agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here is your host, Christina Mendonza. This is A Fresh Agenda, where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonza. Welcome to this little spot in the digital universe. Glad to have you here for a while. We are on episode 59, and that lovely announcer voice you heard is new. That is Monica Lowe. She's a national voiceover artist and on-air host for iHeartMedia. She's also become one of my favorite people I see each day at work, so I love having her voice join the podcast. I take a few seconds now to explain what we're doing here on A Fresh Agenda. This podcast was born almost two years ago out of my desire to have some deeper and more positive conversations. I love news. I've loved news for decades, always will. But a lot of it by the nature of just being news is negative, right? The point wasn't to go all poly positive with the podcast, but to offer something of value to fellow creatives uh, or those who aspire to live more creatively. Thus, the line I say each time we get together, innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. So think um, Tony Robbins, Brene Brown, Dan Pink, Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, Stephen Pressfield, that kind of vibe in something bite-sized that doesn't take too much of your time, but might offer a nugget or two. Well, today we have Tyler Florence, and most people know him as that really good-looking celebrity chef. But that is just one degree of Tyler Florence. This guy is deeply creative, and he's working on so many different projects at once that have nothing to do with food. 22 years with the Food Network built him a lot of career capital, and so he's using it now to make documentaries, build motorcycles, make wine, run a high-tech company, do shows, and be a husband and father to three kids. Now, when I chatted with him, I usually asked my guests to tell me what they had for breakfast as I checked their audio levels, and he said, a triple espresso. And let me tell you, that comes through in our interview. He has a lot of energy. And as we were talking, I was thinking a lot about the book that I'm reading right now. I think I've told you about it. Stephen Pressfield, Going Pro. I'm on my third pass with this book because I keep finding value in the layers of what he's talking about. Basically, the book is about what it means to create as an amateur and what it means to create as a professional. And he goes through the habits of a professional. Uh, Two concepts from the book I want to share about this today. Uh, The first is that as a creative, you get two salaries. You get the salary that brings financial and ego gain and you get the psychological salary of doing the work of actually creating. Now, before you say, well, Christina, I cannot pay my cell phone bill with a psychological salary. I say you are correct, but as Pressfield explains, that psychological salary is just as important because it has power. It sets you apart. It sustains you because fear of self-definition is what keeps an amateur an amateur. And if you want to go pro, you have to be willing to create and expose that creation and believe that it's there within you, that you'll be able to find the muse and use it when it shows up to help you out. So it's a brilliant book. I'm making my kids read it. I'm making my husband read it. You'll love it. And if you get the audio version, you get the added benefit of Pressfield's snark and tone as he weaves some fascinating tales of his youth and lessons from history. Okay, enough of the book report. Let's get outside and take you up in the air with New Age Ariel. If you've been to my Facebook page, check out the cover shot. It's a gorgeous picture over downtown Sacramento. You can see the Tower Bridge. And Dave from New Age Ariel gave me that photo. 
he took it while training one of his new pilots. And if you need drone video or still shots, you have got to reach out to New Age Aerial. They have the FAA licenses and expertise. They know the system. They can get all the permits to shoot whatever you need. Bridges, roads, dams, beauty shots for your film, you name it. If you need aerial photography or videography of anything, call New Age Aerial. Give them a call. Use the phrase Fresh Agenda, the name of this podcast, and Dave will take great care of you. That is New Age Aerial 916-645-3474 or newageaerial.com. Tyler Florence is a chef and a television host of several Food Network shows. We've spent we spent very little time actually talking about food. He's got a new documentary out having to do with the fires that happened in 2017. Uh, deeply meaningful to him. We'll talk about that. He has a new content studio, a bunch of other projects. We chat a bit about his creative philosophy, where he finds his inspiration. And yes, this is Valentine's week. So I asked him for his recommendations for the perfect romantic dinner. Uh, Christina, hi, good morning. How are you? I'm great, good. great. Uh, you know, you were into so much more besides food, but I want to start with Uncrushable, the movie, because I watched the trailer. It looks so moving. And, you know, in light of the campfire that just happened in the north part of the state, I mean, this was really, uh, this was really an impactful project. Tell me how you got involved. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, by the way. And, and, um, and, and life is really interesting uh, as, as, as far as my, my career is starting to unfold. And the, the project kind of fell in my lap in a way, right? Like, um, so uh, I'm really good friends with the state of California and Visit California, which is, um, you know, California's advertising arm. I've, you know, I was the, I, I, I did a, a, a Visit California campaign in 2016, and I'm also in the new commercial that's kind of coming out uh, right now, which is just, it's so, it's so great. So when, when the, when the, uh, when the, not the, uh, the camp fires, but actually two, 2017 wine country fires, when, when they were, when they were breaking out, like the, um, we, we were, um, contacted by several, uh, high level agencies in the state of California because everybody wanted to do something, right? Like we just want to do something. And, and so we, we all, we started to get together and, and, and really, you know, start, start thinking about, because when we were initially having phone calls about whatever it is we were doing, the fires were contained, not hundred percent put out, but, but, but contained a certain level of containment. And, and the, the light was at the end of the tunnel. The worst part was over and, and all the messaging that was happening currently was really, you know, what was, what was kind of going out in the world was, you know, California was on fire. And although that was like the real story, what was really happening, um, um, there, 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 we, we wanted to shine a light on the humanity, on, on the human side of what was happening and not just sort of the salacious sort of like, okay, everything's burning down. So, so we started to kind of really work on, um, the, just an event. We wanted to like throw like a sort of a thank you to, to uh, firefighters and first responders and have a fundraiser event where we were raising money for Habitat for Humanity for a few areas in Santa Rosa. And then once we kind of started getting into to that, like the, the, we realized that was just a spoke in the wheel of what was unfolding in real time uh, from a community standpoint in the Bay Area, from the Bay Area up to wine country. And it was really one of the most uh, uh, beautiful acts of human kindness I'd ever seen in my entire life. So we kind of regrouped and I said, I, I think there's a bigger storyline here and, and I'd, I'd like to actually shoot this as a movie. And so we all we all got together and thought it was a good idea. So we just we you know and being in television for as long as I have, it was an easy sort of muscle to flex to kind of get everybody together and 
you know, pull some folks up from Los Angeles that I've worked with, uh, you know, like directors of photography and audio engineers and that kind of thing. And, and we just started, you know, <laughs> pre-producing, producing and, and editing the, sh- the movie on a daily basis, depending on what storylines we came across. And we ended up telling a really compassionate story about uh, a, a natural disaster that when we finished the movie, honestly, we, we thought, okay, like the, I, the, we, we hope this is going to be the, 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 the fire of the century. Right. We hope this is going to be, you know, the story of the big one that happened that that people will be talking about from a legend standpoint. Little did we know that 365 days later, there would be an even bigger fire um, that I think would expand the storyline to to this natural disaster phenomenon that's starting to happen. And I I think we're starting to to see this climate change uh, warning uh, start to kind of come come to life in a way like the the, you know, all the the the, uh, environmental scientists for the last like decade or so and say, like, you know, the, the catastrophe is about to become. Uh, uh, hit, hit a point where it's, it's irretrievable. And, and so the, the 2017 wine country fires that we documented on the day that we were screening the movie at the Napa film festival, the 2018 uh, uh, fires that broke out uh, up in, and, uh, and, and Chico uh, up in paradise um, were, were larger than the wine country fires. And that was kind of rolling out in real time. And, and so, so the, the, the impact of the movie, I, I think now even has, a deeper story to tell, specifically in the state of California, that I think we're, we're starting to realize that the beautiful state we live in is, has a fragile side to it that I think we need to begin to plan for and, and, and have like real deep conversations on what it means to be safe, what it means to know your neighbors, what it means to, uh, to, to be fire ready, what it means to protect your home, um, what it means to even just take a look at your homeowner's insurance policy and make sure that you're covered for things like this, because a lot of people don't. And, and, and so, so the, 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 the storyline as it's kind of unfolding to me is now a much, much bigger conversation that, that we were, we were just going to throw this, this sort of thank you event for firefighters and first responders. And now it's been the opening the door to a, a statewide and even a national conversation about not only um, climate change that's happening on a, on a such a severe level, mm-hmm. but also the, the idea of climate refugees. Like what, what are we doing about folks that, you know, 20, 30,000 people that get displaced five to six times in 2018 in North America alone, uh, between North Carolina and the Florida panhandle and, and floods in the Midwest and hurricanes and, you know, and, and two fires in Northern California and the fires in Montana. Like, like what are we doing to really have conversations about climate refugees in the future? So it, it's been a very, very interesting project. Um, um, and, uh, and I appreciate you kind of bringing, bringing this up because I, I think it's the most important thing I've ever done in my career. Right. Well, and you, you all shot it in three weeks, uh, which is amazing to me to do this documentary just in, in three weeks. And, and you directed this film. Was this the birth of Monarch Collective or had Monarch Collective, which is your studio, been in operation for some time? It was the birth of Monarch Collective. Like we were literally trying to figure out what the name of the production company was as we were editing the movie, uh, just because like everything just sort of you know happened in real time. Like we've been you know in production, producing corporate videos and kind of fun lifestyle cooking videos for a long time, but never it just kind of fell under you know Tyler Florence International, which other company that I have, um, but uh, to really kind of focus this in on a on a on a production studio. 
um, it, it was it was the birth of the whole thing. So we were literally, you know, trying to play name the baby as uh, in that, that, that's a little game we play when we're trying to like uh, brand name something um, called name the baby. It's kind of a fun. Little game. <laughs> that's uh, a good but, way to uh, put it. Yeah, because it's like, okay, what's the name of this baby? And you, you really got to figure it out. But uh, Monarch Collective was born uh, through the process of putting this whole storyline together. And, and, and Monarch is a really interesting North uh, California story, too, because the, the, the bear in the California state flag was a real bear. And that bear's, the bear's name was Monarch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of where that comes from. Well, so I, we're, you- we're, we're a collective of Californians telling stories. I love it. Um, so you are into so much just in my research and you, I, I don't know how you find time in the day, but I want to hit on a few things. So uh, besides food, which we'll get to and film, um, I understand you like to collect motorcycles. You own a tech company and you make wine. So uh, let's start, <laughs> let's start with the tech company. What do you, what are you doing in tech these days? So uh, we, we, we founded a really wonderful company. It's an app that you can get on the iOS app store called the Yumavore. Um, it's Y-U-M-A-V-O-R-E. And, and it's the world's first app where you can, you can create your own you know, wonderful magazine layout of what you're making in, in your own kitchen. And I think that's really exciting because for so long, the idea of, of recipes had kind of come one way from like the Valhalla of like recipe creators and cookbook writers and magazine editors and even television shows. And like, here's your content for the month. Um, take it or leave it or like it or not. Or, or and, and, But the idea of like really um, flipping the camera around and saying, I'm really actually curious about what people are making at home because I think that's where the next level of innovation is really going to come from is really you know, uh, both celebrating kitchen wisdom and also understanding, you know, uh, kitchen hacks that, 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 uh, that people on the front line of, you know, this sort of lifestyle, uh, you know, cooking for your, your, your friends and family for the weekends, like that's where the real storyline is coming from. So to me, like, I just think it's a really interesting, you know, angle on, on, you know, recipe writing, actually giving people a really great tool to, you know, take, you know, beautiful high resolution photographs on their cell phone, you know, be able to use voice detection, uh, voice dictation to be able to kind of write recipes. So it's not this big laborious thing of actually having to type recipes out. And, uh, and then you kind of get this thing of like, it's like this recipe swap. It's like this like digital potluck dinner, that I think a lot of people can celebrate. Oh, how fun to be able to have a different way to present it as well. I mean, you're right. It has been kind of presented the same way for so long. And, you know, it depends. Different chefs, I guess, like it presented differently, recipes presented differently to them. Some like to read them out of a book. Some like an app. Some like those little yumly videos that are kind of fast-paced. So um, that sounds like fun. Okay, so uh, motorcycles. Tell me about your motorcycles. Do you collect them? Do you rebuild them? Do you sell them? Uh, what, What turns you on about motorcycles? Well, um, you know, it, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I think everybody has a few uh, boxes to check off before they check out, you know, and, and, and everybody has a couple of things. Like I'd love to, you know, learn a new language or travel to this country or, or, or go to this restaurant, whatever it is, like these big life goals. And when I moved to California in 2007 from New York City, and in New York City, there's no reason to have a car. Like it's just it adds to the pressure of actually living in the city. So I didn't have a I didn't have a car. I, I moved to New York City um, when I graduated from college, and that that was the last time I had a car, and that was in 1994. So from 1994 to 2007, I literally didn't own a vehicle, right? Because there's no point of it living in New York City. And then when I moved to California, all of a sudden I you know I I, I got a car. I got a Mercedes. I got a nice one, right? And uh, and then I, I started kind of like taking a look at like motorcycle riders, and I'm like, God, oh, that just seems so 
so fantastic. Like the idea of like riding along, you know, the old Highway One up and through northwestern Marin County and seeing the Pacific Ocean on your left hand side and watching the sunset and kind of going through these long epic rides. Like I'm like I'm doing that, right? And honestly, I'd never. I had never uh, owned a motorcycle, didn't know how to ride one, didn't have a motorcycle <laughs> license. But like that idea of like, you know, some people think they're like they're like musicians, but they just don't know how to play guitar yet. Right. Like to me, like I, I just knew like I, I'm a motorcycle rider. I just don't know how to do it yet. And so I, I walked in and I, I bought a motorcycle. I put it on my credit card. It was like it was like, I think, 17,000 bucks. I just like swiped it and like, boom, I didn't ask my wife permission. I said, I'll, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, uh, and it, it was a negotiation. I had to figure it out. But um, but and I, and I said to the to the um, this amazing little motorcycle shop in Marin County um, uh, that that uh, not only sells you know both Triumph and Ducati, but also they, they rebuild and do custom motorcycle work too, which is just I think just an art form, and uh, and and so it, it just kind of plays up to like the nostalgia of like you know mid century you know California motorsports and kind of what those really old fantastic motorcycles used to kind of look and feel like, and I, I just always love that, um, like the any given Sunday you know documentary. Uh, and, and the idea of just like, like the open road and that kind of stuff. And, and, and even from like, like cafe racers and, 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 uh, and, and London and, and like the, like the 1950s all the way up to, you know, kind of what, what this like, like, like Moto GP now, which I think is just phenomenal. So I, 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 uh, got a, um, I bought a motorcycle and then I, I started to rebuild the whole thing one piece at a time. And we started go, going deep in the design process because I brought an old Japanese knife to the design meeting, right? I'm like, I want this motorcycle to feel like this Japanese knife with like this beautiful patinaed, um, you know, uh, uh, high carbon metal that, that doesn't have any stainless in it. So it, it, so it does, so it's razor sharp, but it gets this beautiful kind of like stunning corrosion to it, but like purposeful, you know, so it feels, it feels moody. Like it's, 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 it's battle worn. And then, the, and then how it's kind of tapered off into the handle and then the materials of the wood that were used. And there was something really stunning about how simple the design was. And then, and then we started just kind of going down the, the creative process, which is just so fabulous. And so we finished the, my first motorcycle. I have five motorcycles now, but we finished my first one and we did this uh, photo shoot for, for, uh, for triumph, uh, um, and what, actually not even for Triumph, but just for the motorcycle shop, because they just want to kind of put it out as publicity and that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's cool. I love you guys. And then Triumph got a hold of it. And, uh, and Triumph liked my motorcycle so much, they asked if they could use pictures of my motorcycle um, um, with the CEO of Triumph North America in his presentation to the North American Dealers Conference, because they felt the motorcycle that I designed was, embodied the true spirit of Triumph motorcycles. And it was the first time I'd ever even owned, bought, ridden, designed a motorcycle ever. And it, and it was just, it was just kind of like this fun, beautiful process. And so I, you know, I, I got, uh, you know, I got trained by this like motorcycle stunt driver and I had, you know, I had like got 50 hours of motorcycle training. I got my license and, and now it's just really part of my life. So, so we're, right now we're kind of in the rainy season here in Northern California. Uh, so my bikes are plugged in in the garage, but like the second it clears up, um, if it's, if it's a beautiful day, it's hard to you know find me in a car. 
I'm usually I'm usually on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever read any of Stephen Pressfield, but uh, he he wrote this great book. It's it's an older book. It's called War of Art, and he talks about uh, something called resistance, which is what keeps creative people from diving in and actually getting stuff done. Oh, I'll write that book someday. I'll compose that song someday, so forth. You don't seem to have an ounce of resistance. Where did that come from in you? Was the confidence and the career capital that you gained from 20 years on the Food Network and really, you know, uh, attaining a level of success there that gave you the creative uh, courage and career capital to go after these other creative projects? Or have you always been that way? I, I think I've always been that way, to be honest with you, right? And 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 I, I don't think it's um, necessarily a skill that you're born with. But it's sort of a fight or flight thing, to be really, really honest with you, right? Like I, like I, I was, I was, uh, my, you know, my parents divorced when I was, you know, third grade, and I'm not. It's not a sappy story, like woe is me, but, but honestly, I, I was a latchkey kid most of my life growing up, and and, and you know, kind of bounced back and forth from one house to the other, and, and and then and then and then through that that clutter of both my parents, and it's a very consistent story across the board. So I'm not unique or singular by any means, but with that, there, there's, there, there's, um, cause they, they spent so much time yelling with each other that they, they, they didn't really impose a lot of like wisdom. So like when, when so when, when I was like a young adult, like there's so many things I wanted to do that I realized I didn't know how to do. And there was nobody really in my life to show me how to do these things. So it was just up to me to figure it out. And it was like that from, the, from as, honestly, as early as I can remember coming home from, you know, coming home from school at like, two 30 in the afternoon with a key to the house. And, and you had to figure out that, you know, stove refrigerated relationship, or you were just going to be hungry until mom got home. Right. And, and so like, that was just like, you know, I, I've always had this, this thing, like I, if I don't know how to do it, like there's a lot of things I haven't done in my life, but there's nothing I can't do. And, and, and I think that's a really positive way to look at life. Like there's a lot of things I haven't done in my life, but there's nothing I can't do. And, and so when, when you kind of get your mind set on something and that's like, and that, and that, and that's like having that real strong sort of like mental muscle of commitment that like, I'm going to like this year, I'm going to be a better person because I'm going to, I'm going to master the French language. I'm going to start taking piano. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get in the gym three days a week. And then you, even if it's like five o'clock in the morning, like you, you start to kind of like pulled the excuses out of the way. And then all of a sudden you become like this person. And the more you do that, the more you sharpen that, 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 uh, that process of, of conquering your own, um, uh, inability to kind of get things done because so many people live with excuses, right. And so many people right. are like, well, I'd love to, but, but I'd love to, but, and then they spend, they spend three, four hours a day thumbing through Instagram where, where they could spend, spend those three or four hours a day, either trying to be a better parent, learning how to cook a, an amazing meal, going to see that movie, you know, you know, going traveling, like being a better partner in a relationship, like, and, or even just trying to be a better person. They just like, they just kind of sit back and let life hand them things versus kind of carving their own path. And, and honestly, it's just easy. So I, I, I try to teach my children how to, how to be a producer and not a consumer. Right. Yes. There's mm-hmm. a big, and there's a big difference between the two because the producers produce the material that the consumers consume. And I even think like calling people consumers is just pandering. And I hate, I hate doing that, but I think there's a difference between, you know, the world of people that produce amazing, beautiful art and the rest of the world that just sort of like, okay, cool. I'll buy that. Right. 
And, and, and I just, I just love having the freedom and, and I've earned it to be honest with you. Right. I mean, we, mm-hmm. like I have, I've written 20,000 recipes for food network, com. I've been on television for 23 years. I manage a 40,000 case wine brand. I've written 16 cookbooks. Like I, I put in the work, right? And so with that, you know, the the, the beautiful uh, goal or the beautiful access of just being yourself for a living, it's kind of a beautiful place to be. I don't take it for granted, right? I mean, like we, like just because like when, when you get that, when you get the green light for a concept and somebody says, okay, cool, I'll pay you to go do that. Like that's when you really got to dig and improve yourself. But just finding that on-ramp and that conversation, I think is, is, is you know, it, like a lot of people take notes so personally. A lot of people take notes to heart and it just crushes them and they go, well, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And, and to me, like I, I take no as like, as like somebody plugging in my cell phone. Right. Because honestly, if I get a no, that means my message wasn't sharp enough. That means my pitch wasn't clear enough. Maybe I didn't understand that project or understand the client better. And I, 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 it's friction that polishes me. I take those things and I go, cool, bang. Okay. How can I sharpen this and get right back in the game tomorrow and get exactly where I want to go. And so, so the, it's just sort of a mental asset of, of, of feeling like you're always being chased by a tiger. And, and I love that. I, I do too. You are just yeah, speaking I mean, to me. I, I love this. Yes. Yeah, I, I love having high blood pressure. I love feeling like like if I don't do it, nobody's going to. I love that feeling, man, because like to me, like it just makes my it makes my decision making better. Like like the the more the more you you take you know good decisions and bad decisions and kind of weigh them both out. Like the more you make good decisions, right? And then the more you make good decisions, the better those decisions get. And then the more valuable you are as a as a product, right? And as a person, as a creative, and and that kind of thing. And 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 I and everything stacks up. There's no, there's zero. There's, it's it's impossible to fail, right? I always feel that. Like like if you if you take failure personally, you're failing yourself, right? Like you know, like, like to me, like uh, the 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 if you if there, you either win or you learn, right? Like, so something positive happens in your life, you either win one, or if it doesn't happen, you learn and, and you sharpen yourself for the next opportunity. And that's just the way I've always treated life. Fantastic. Okay, I, w- I want to talk to you about food. Why was food your first creative medium? Why did you decide to be creative in that way first? Was it because you needed to eat as a little kid and had to figure out how to feed yourself? Well, you, you know, it's something weird. Like, like I, when I grew up um, in upstate South Carolina, when I was an infant, right? Like, I think it was like 12 months old or, or 13, 14 months old, whatever it is. Like, I, um, m- my parents thought I was going to die, right? Like, I, I, I had such severe food allergies as a child. My parents took me to Emory University in Atlanta. And out of, um, out of 75 things a child my age could possibly be allergic to, I was allergic to 42 of them. And honestly, I had such a restrictive diet growing up. Like, and it was a weird diet too. I could eat salmon. I could eat lentils. I could drink goat's milk. I could have a vet because honestly, like any, like any kind of like beef product, I had outbreaks, any kind of chicken products, I had outbreaks. So I was eating like tofu as like an early kid, just because my parents didn't really, didn't really know what else to feed me in a way. And nor did they, they really know what to do with tofu anyway. Right. But like I could eat soy products, right. But I couldn't, I couldn't eat chicken or drink cow's milk. Right. So, so like this, so by by the, by the time I was like, you know, kind of like coming online, like 12, 13 years old, um, uh, I, I had like a weird path weird palate, but then also my food allergies were starting to wane. So at the age of 13, I was tasting like shrimp for the first time. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, this is delicious. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. This is fried chicken. Oh my God. Right. So it was like, it almost like crack cocaine is like a little, like a little kid. I'm like, this stuff is like, Oh, oh dude, this is really, I couldn't get enough of it. Cause I was like, okay, you know, the lentils are fun, but I'm done with it. And, and, uh, and so like the, to me, like, like I had this, like, you know, have you seen Ratatouille? Of course you've seen Ratatouille. Yes, I have. Absolutely. Well, you know that 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 point that point of the movie when Remy the Rat is trying to teach his sort of like older, dumber brother about what like the spectrum of flavors, and he tastes Parmesan and strawberry at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And has like, oh my god, like he's seeing colors. Like that's kind of what food tastes like to me, right? So when I start tasting things, to me, it's like it's like the 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 synapses in your brain start firing off. I'm like, wow, that's just spectacular. And then my brain starts connecting that to another flavor and another dish and another entree and another thing. And I file it away. And like, and so that, so it just, it just, it became this thing. Like I just kind of like fell in love with. And then when I was like, when I was probably, well, I was 15 years old, I was kind of like, I was deep in like the skateboard world. I, I skate, I used to skate for a team when I was a kid. I had a Christian Hostway hammerhead and, and I just, I love skating ramps mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I was just like a, you know, an eighties skate rat kid <laughs> kind of listened to like, you know, uh, like, like new wave British music and punk music and that kind of stuff and kind of like early hip hop. But, um, but it was really more about this sort of like this, like, like my first sort of rebellious wave of what I was going through. And, uh, and then, and then like, like I started to realize at the age of 15 that, that, um, chicks didn't really like skateboards all that much. Right. And, and then, so I, I was like, okay, I kind of need to figure out this car situation right away. So I, I, um, I, uh, uh, I had to get a job. Like, so I, I said, dad, I want to get a car. And my dad was kind of like this backbone guy. And he was like, Oh, Oh, you want to get a car? Oh, okay. All right. Well, l- let me, let me tell you how to do that. Well, first you go get a job and then you save your money. And then with this, then you buy a car with it. That, that's how you get a car. So <laughs> go knock yourself out. And so I went and got a job washing dishes at my girlfriend's parents' restaurant. At, at, and, and it was the nicest restaurant in my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. And I started washing dishes. And then, and then, and so with this weird, like food thing that, that all of a sudden, like, so it's just like this magic started to happen. And, uh, and I, I just felt like I had found my tribe, right? Like right. a dishwasher. And I was a really good dishwasher, but, but I was really kind of paying attention to, like, I would show up early. Um, I would, I would skip school, honestly, cause I kind of didn't give a shit about it. I just like, I want to just kind of like that to me felt like the school I wanted to pay attention to. And so I was just like focusing on like, how do you make Bernays? Like, how do you, how do you trim a beef tenderloin? Like, how do you poach lobster? Like, like, tell me how, how do you peel carrots? Like, how do you, how do you make potato puree? Like, like all these things. And so I, I just, I kind of, I, I uh, started washing dishes that would show up early to help with the prep team. And then I just said like, this is, this is my life. Like I'm feeling this. This is great. Wow. So, uh, so that, 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 then, then I went to culinary school and then, you know, yada, 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 here I am. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so let's talk about some of your um, other, other projects because, again, there are so many of them. The Great Food Truck Race. What turns you on about that? Is, that, is it these um, amateur cooks that are, like, making amazing things out of a small space? What do you love about that? Well, I, I, I think the food truck thing was, was really kind of interesting. And honestly, we approached it as like a gag. I, I'm not, I, to be perfectly honest with right. you, like we, we started this conversation. So what is it? 2019 now. So we started this conversation in 2000, 2000 and 2008. Right. And, and so the, and, and it was really hard to have a conversation. So we shot a pilot season, I think like six episodes. And then I was doing like the press tour, 
uh, and I did the Today Show and Good Morning America and big like radio radio tours and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah, the great food truck race is like, you know, we're we're lining up like the best food trucks in America and we're racing them uh, coast to coast like Cannonball Run, right? It's like Cannonball <laughs> Run meets a food truck yep. and like. And people are like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm like, no, no, it's great. I'm like, I mean, you mean that roach coach out by the airport? No way am I, am I, would I ever eat off of one of those? And now, like 10 years later, because we're shooting season 10 uh, next week, as a matter of fact, uh, and now there's, uh, there's over 40,000 active food trucks in America. And, and we sort of celebrate this, like, what was a niche, and now it's a genre of, of, you know, mobile food concepts. And, and I, I think that spawned the, the food hall craze in America right now. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this next second wave of like, like great restaurants and gas stations is starting to kind of pop up. That's the new thing to pay attention to is like these like new, like little small food concepts that are, that are taking place in like small little kitchens and gas stations across the country. That's going to be very interesting too. And it's like sort of like a European model where you can go get like an espresso and a, and a panini and it's kind of the best thing you have the whole trip. I love that. Um, yeah, my but, husband always seek out those tiny, weird places. We just, we want something weird. We want an experience that's good food with a weird experience. That's perfect for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's super interesting. So, so the idea of like, I'm a, I'm a food startup, you know, I've got a great idea. Uh, I'm a chef and, and I got, I got 50 grand, right? Like I don't have $4 million. So I, I can't invest in like four walls, but I've got 50,000 bucks that I can invest in four wheels and I can be up and running in 30 days. I, I, you know, and then you get a, you get a Costco membership and you load up and, you know, you find a commissary you can prep in and bang, you're in business. And that's what I like about that. So it lowers the bar where it's like the democracy of like, like fast casual food concepts. Right. And, and as a place, cause like the, you know, the, the death rate of restaurants is real, right? Nine out of 10 restaurants never see their second birthday. And that's a real number. Right. It's a real right. big boy numbers, big boy leases like like it's like adult shit when you start getting to like signing leases that are, that, that, you know, for 10 years that you're responsible for. And if, and if for, for whatever reason you don't have like, you know, the location, location, location nailed out. Right. And you go belly up and that happens all the time. The food truck thing is kind of a nice place to get started. Right. So, so you can go, okay, I'm going to flush out this concept. I'm going to get it running. And the people are really dedicated to it. Like they're putting six figures a year in their pocket. So it's not chump change. I mean, you can literally do the same covers that you're doing in a, in a brick and mortar restaurant. And, and the cool thing about being in a food truck, you can actually be that third location and location, location, location. Uh, and wherever that is in the, throughout the week, like you can be out by the ballpark during the weekend and, and the financial district during the week and the farmer's market on, you know, on Sunday. And you can be wherever the people are. And, and I, I think that's kind of kind of miraculous. So although we didn't invent it, we've certainly gassed it. And I think that's kind of rad. It is. It absolutely is. Okay, so just a couple more questions before I let you go. How do you replenish your creativity? We all have something that we have to do to kind of fill the well. What do you do when you just need to kind of power down and replenish yourself? You know, th- that, that's a, that's a, that's, I struggle with that, to be honest with you, from time to time. Because sometimes you'll get, you'll get to the point where it's like, I, like I felt like I was more creative last year or, or I, you know, or, you know, we're contractually obligated to produce these products. And I just don't feel like I've got, I've got gas in the tank right now. And, and I think it's really important that you make time to travel. Right. And, and, and make time to do research and that kind of stuff. Right. So, the, so that, that's, what's so fabulous about the internet today 
And that's what's so fabulous about social media, with like Instagram and that kind of stuff. Because like if you need to do like research projects and even like Pinterest, right? Um, you, you can you can start to kind of do deep dives because we're doing a new steakhouse in San Francisco right now, and uh, and and we're 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 deep diving on you know like like menu styles from like the 30s. Right. So I think that the thirties and forties, like, so I, I think that's kind of an interesting kind of retro place to look at. And sometimes those things are really kind of hard to find. So I, I think traveling is really important, right. That you go get a chance to like experience things firsthand. You can go say, okay, like this steakhouse, that steakhouse and that steakhouse and this steakhouse all have really special attributes. And here's why, because I've been there. Right. And then, but then you can also kind of back it up with some deep, deep research that's off the grid, and I think that equally is important too. Um, um, one of my um, uh, 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 cookbook photographers, Petrina Tinsley, uh, she's in uh, Sydney, Australia. She's an amazing photographer. She gave me one of my most valuable pieces of advice on being creative, and she said, "You're only as original as your inspiration is obscure." So if you want to be really, really original, where you get your your background intel from needs to be off the grid. So nobody can pinpoint exactly where you got it from. So you never want to look like a copycat. So I've always kind of taken that to heart. So when we start doing like deep dives and stuff, um, where, where I get my, my intel from is like, like top, a top secret, you know, like mushroom forest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm not telling anybody. You did, yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 like nobody knows where I got my stuff from. And, and I, I think that's kind of cool. I love it. Okay, so uh, it is Valentine's Day this week, so you know I'm going to ask you, uh, what is your idea of a romantic meal? What would you make your wife for Valentine's Day? Well, first of all, I would make reservations. I, I, I think that, that that's kind of the nice thing about it, right? Because sometimes when you make dinner at home, it, it's like it's like you know someone's like looking at this amazing meal, but what they're really looking at is a pile of dishes over there in the corner. And 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 so like to me, I I, I think like having like making a plan to go out to dinner, I think is really, really important. Right. And then that way you kind of walk in and someone else is taking care of you. And I think that's equally important on both sides because sometimes as a dude, right. Thinking about Valentine's day, it's always kind of like one direction. Like what am I doing for my wife to make her feel special? But I think when you both go out to dinner, you you're both taken care of. And I think you have a really good chance to just sort of like unplug have a fabulous experience and really just kind of talk about stuff. Right. And I, and I, and I think that's great, especially because my wife and I um, are celebrating our 13th year of marriage and, uh, and we've never been happier, man. I'm telling you, it's like, it's like, so, so, and I also believe that, that like every day is Valentine's day, right? Like every day is, a, is an opportunity to show the most important person in your life. And that's your life partner. Like I love my children, right? But my children are eventually going to go do go off and do their own thing. But my life partner, my wife, is the most important person in my life, right? And I think you have to like take uh, five minutes every day and make sure they know that. I love that. Um, my husband and I will be married 25 years in uh, a few months, and I have to tell you this because when he told when I told him I was interviewing you, he was so excited. You are his favorite chef. We regularly eat your meatloaf, your aro con pollo, your big fat chocolate chip cookies are always in the freezer at our house, and he absolutely you. loves you. and 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 he's a, a fabulous cook, so he I, I get to enjoy his meals every night, and a lot of them are your recipes. So thank you for that. My pleasure. All right, Tyler Florence, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Good luck with all of your future projects, and we look forward to seeing what's next from Tyler Florence. 
Christina, absolutely. Thank you so much for a fabulous interview. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Tyler Florence. If you like the show and you love being motivated, check out our back episodes of A Fresh Agenda with people like Lee Steinberg or Cheryl Strayed. Subscribe to the channel and hear from other innovators and thought leaders. And drop me a note because I'd be curious to hear your methods for maintaining your creativity. You can reach me through my website at christinamendonza.com. There's a contact form there. And as always, thanks to my sponsors, New Age Aerial, New Age Designs, and Sierra at Tahoe. Sierra Tahoe is arranged for my listeners and viewers to get special pricing on a ski pass for the season. And I've included a link with the podcast on my website in the comment section of SoundCloud. Also, check out my digital newscast, The Shortlist, each week. You can find it on many different platforms, my website, YouTube, IGTV, the FKFBK.com website as well. And more fun episodes of A Fresh Agenda are on the way. Thanks for being here. This has been A Fresh Agenda. I'm Christina Mendonca. Let's stay connected. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda. (laughs) 